Blog Talk Radio. There's some dangerous large uh, carnivore out there. Yeah, I saw that bird get the young deer off the road and fly away. And uh, it was just about getting dark, and we started panicking, running down the bridge, not really having any clue what was throwing rocks in our vicinity, good-sized rocks. And uh, I stopped long enough to get a 357 out of my backpack and looked back, and that's when I thought I saw one. actually attacked two railroad workers, uh, killed livestock, you know, just a lot of weird stuff that was going on. Monster Xers, it's time for Monster X Radio, brought to you this Sunday, as always, by the Sasquatch Coffee Company. Sasquatch Coffee, have you tried it yet? Uh, go online now to www.squatchcoffee.com to get yours. Um, gift baskets are, are available and, and still time to order them for Christmas. So um, I know I'm Gunnar Monson. Um, your host, along with me today, is my my friend and co-host Shane Corson. Shane, how are you this Sunday? Doing well, sir. Doing well. Glad to be here as always. How are you doing this evening? I'm good. Um, this morning, I woke up in our research area. Uh, Larry and I spent the night out last night. Um, it was a pretty quiet weekend, uneventful. A lot of rain. Um, early yesterday morning when you and uh, Tanya were also out there and uh but cleared up. Last night it was got down uh I'm I'm thinking in the low thirties, maybe or high twenties, so it was it was yeah. a chilly night. But pretty quiet. I don't you know that's uh quite quiet. Yeah. So I mean yeah. it, um a few things audio stuff happened but nothing that I, I would, you know, was really super compelling, um, but but it's still there, it's always good to go out. Yeah, and there's a lot you can take away uh, from those quiet nights. Uh, it all adds up, you know, in the end. You know, you got to, you know, we take we take notes and, and uh, learn from the quiet nights or the quiet times and the lack of evidence, and you know, occasionally we do find stuff. So it all, you know, you take that all into account. Absolutely. I mean, it's. Um, not always gonna. You're not always gonna produce something every time you go out in the field, unless 
you're producing it yourself, maybe. But uh, we uh, deployed, I don't know, I think we had eight microphones out or recorders out Friday night and uh, got those uploaded onto the laptop. And and, uh, Larry will be reviewing those uh, over the next few weeks. uh, Thank you, Larry, for your dedication to to, uh, reviewing all that stuff because every time we go out, we've got all these recorders and then somebody has to to go spend the time going through and and, um, looking for tidbits of uh, information so see if we got anything. And it's surprising as to how much sometimes that we get um, on the recorders that we don't hear you know, in person, so. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it was, it was good to get out because, you know, we, uh, it's good to get together and, and uh, try new techniques, new ideas. And of course to do, you know, um, on uh, Saturday, um, Tanya, Larry and myself, we did quite a extensive amount of hiking and, uh, you know, checking out the, the land and different areas, you know, always check for evidence and stuff and uh, getting to know the area really, really well. So uh, every trip, you know, you, you take something out of it. And it's always good to get out, period. Always good to get out. Right. So it's always a good time to hang out with and, and, and talk about stuff, you know, just talk about theory and, and uh, practices and and uh, all that stuff. I mean, it, it was it, – it's – it's just fun to go out and hang out with your friends. So that too, yeah, absolutely. So our our uh, guest today is Mrs. Cindy Cadell. Cindy is an active Bigfoot researcher. She's a member uh, investigator for the BFRO, as well as a member of the Olympic Project, and a member of our little group, the Tillamook Forest Research Group. Um, she has a degree in anthropology, uh, has written a, a book called A Kid's Guide to Hunting Bigfoot, as well as has a uh, presentation called The Sasquatch Human Connection. Um, she's a professional photographer uh, and uh, also currently has been uh, working with Les Stroud, Survivor Man, um, Recently, she was helping write scripts for his upcoming uh, Bigfoot series. So without uh, going to introduce our guest of the day and our friend, Cindy Cadell. Hi, Cindy. Hey, how's it going? It's going well. How about you? Great. Good to be here. Good. So tell us a little bit about your background, how you got into it. I'm always curious about what led people into the crazy world of Bigfooting. Um, probably like most people, I saw the Patterson-Gimlin footage when I was a kid and just was like, what is that? <laughs> and uh, just have always, always been fascinated with it. My stepfather was born not far from where they um, got that footage. And so I kind of blame it on him for always kind of egging me on as far as Bigfoot goes. And we moved to Sisters, Oregon. Um was in the, gosh, in the 70s. And he he was telling me that there were sightings out there. And so I was always, as a kid, just looking. Whenever I'd go hiking or um, camping, I was always looking for prints. And 
And actually, in, I think it was in 1993, we were out cutting a Christmas tree out in the Jefferson Wilderness area. And, and we don't go to, you know, tree farm farms. You know, we would go out into the woods and we would hike in on a forest road, find a hill, take some hot cocoa sandwiches, and uh, take our sleds and go sledding and find the perfect tree. And we had just got out of the truck and uh, found this hill, and we're hiking up it to find the perfect tree. And we saw some footprints in in the snow, and there was toes and everything. And my dad's a real man, man and I'm like, hey, look at this. And um, at the time, I had my two small girls with me. And um, he's like, um, okay, find a tree and let's get out of here. <laughs> I mean, this was usually a half a day event. And we literally got our tree within five minutes we're gone, and we're gone. It, it kind of spooked him. Um, and, you know, he had a friend who had seen a Sasquatch up in that same area like 10 years before. And uh, so just always have been interested in um, – Anytime there was a show on TV that had anything to do with Sasquatch, I was in. And then it was several years back, um, my daughter Megan, um, who is in the Sasquatch too, just kind of by default <laughs> because of me, um, she directed me to a BFRO um, you know, expedition, and Tyler Bounds was running that. And, uh, and, you know, I was kind of freaked out to be out in the woods, you know, and we're looking for this huge primate that's supposedly, you know, up to a 1,000 pounds. I'm like, what are we doing out here? <laughs> you know, if they're real, um, this could end very badly. Um, but uh, got hooked, and uh, Tyler's been, you know, a, a great friend of mine and, and uh, taught me a lot of stuff. And uh, I just have been just really interested um, ever since, well, ever since I was a kid, but more so now that I'm actually meeting people that have the same interests before. You know how it is. You don't want to talk to anybody about it. They think you're crazy. So you you don't talk to people about it. And uh, the BFRO expedition was the first place I could really, you know, say, hey, what do you think? Or, you know, it was – so that's kind of how my history with Bigfoot has gone down. And, and you're, well. you became a you became an investigator – how long ago did you become a investigator for the BFRO? You know, I'm not sure exactly. Years, it's been a few years. I want to, I want to say like three years. Um, yeah. It hasn't been a huge amount of time, but um, we had I had taken my husband Jared up to another expedition that Tyler was that hat that Tyler had up in the Olympic um, area, um, the peninsula, and uh, the first night out, you know, he's a skeptic and. And uh, they got, like, a six-minute recording of something screaming in the woods. And anyway, that ended up on Finding Bigfoot. And uh, so we were there for the filming of that episode. And Matt, um, Moneymaker, took a liking to Jared and myself and asked us to be investigators. So that's how that all started. And, uh, yeah, it's been fun. Very cool. Well, I I personally owe you for... for, uh, and would like to thank you for getting me involved in hooking me up with Larry. And uh, you had been you had investigated Larry, a report from Larry's daughter up in in the area that became our research area. Right, our research and, area. Uh, yep. Yeah. And uh, you worked for it, and, and uh, we were friends on Facebook. And I'd ask you, you know, if it, you would mind sharing the location, and and you arranged for us all that meet up there, and. 
and that, that was uh, the first time I met uh, Larry, who's become one of my very best friends. And right. uh, and we had that we had the uh, you had your grandson with you, and we had the epic crescendo, what we called the crescendo night, where we had crazy activity oh. um, right, for that right. two hours. So yeah, so I, and, yep. and since then, our, our, we we've developed our little group, and and uh, we frequent mm-hmm. that area. And uh, we've had right. a lot of fun, and and uh, and had some interesting uh, things take place up there. So I I appreciate that, and you're sharing that information with me, and and uh, being part of the group. So yeah, I know it's awesome being part of the group. Um, yeah, it was kind of crazy when I we interviewed um, Larry and Mark. Um, we decided to go and camp out there. I think it was like a week or two later after we had interviewed them at the location. And, you know, they both seemed very honest and intelligent. And um, so we did this camp out and we set up recorders and (laughs) we did a few calls and we actually got a couple responses back. And I think Shane has that on recording. Um, But uh, it was kind of funny when that happened, you, you want it to happen and then it happens and (laughs) I literally had the fight or flight for a moment, for a split second when it happened because it was really loud and they were close and there was sound like two of them. And uh, but then I had to take a deep breath and like, oh wait, this is what I'm here for. <laughs> but um, <laughs> that location, you know, it's been fun and good to be with you know our group out there and and uh, you know become tighter as a group and friends and actually have some activity. It's a uh, it's a win win for sure. Well, well, we've got we've got a sec here. Look, I'm going to go ahead and play that clip for our okay. listeners, and then we can talk about it a little bit. All right. Yeah, that's. So. Uh, I don't know if it does it justice, but there's actually like uh, in between the two calls, and it sounded like they were coming from two different ridges, not far from camp. Um, there's almost like mumbling in there too. Um, so I, I, I'm hoping that some of that got picked up by your listeners, but it's a, it's a pretty cool tape to listen to, especially with headset on. Yeah, and I've 
I've heard uh, Larry and I were up there one time and heard something very similar, like right after dark, that uh, mm-hmm. was very loud <laughs> and uh, right. very pretty close. So, um, mm-hmm. and that 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 was that was in the the fall or like just at the end of summer, like September and right. and uh, into August, September, and there was like a three week because. I remember Larry's daughter had been up there and had a had a, a vocal had something yell into their campground, and then mm-hmm. the next week Larry went up with his his buddy Mark, and they they recorded some audio, and then you guys were up the week right after that, and and uh, so right. and recorded that. So right, it was it was it was a hot time for for sure, um, and then I've also often thought about that time of year, um, I'm wondering sometimes, like, you know, other primates make calls, mating calls, like the gibbons, for instance. Um, What if it's a mating call of some sort? Uh, That would make sense because if they bred in the fall, the female would be pregnant during the colder months and give birth maybe during the warmer months. Um, So, you know, we don't know exactly, but I'm kind of leaning towards it could possibly be mating calls. Do you guys yeah, have always, thoughts on that? Well, I'm always concerned when I'm I'm doing a call, um, mm-hmm. what I'm <laughs> what it is that I might be saying right. that you know I might attract an amorous male Sasquatch. Right, right. But yeah, you got to worry about that. <laughs> I always stare in, in Larry Larry or Shane's direction. So. Right. Oh, okay, thanks. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, yeah, we kind of have to think about that, don't we? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, you, you really know. don't know what, you know, what, but uh, we haven't had any uh, attacks, so. There, you yeah, know, there's, that's true. There's a lot of conjecture there. I mean, we, we don't know, but, you know, we can look at the uh, time, of year, time of year that we get these, you know, these really good recordings. And we get a lot of recordings out of this area, but some of them really stand out, like this one in particular, and mm-hmm. there's a few others. Um, and you got to you you do have to wonder what's going on there. And it did seem right. in the recording like uh, there was initial call and then a response, but there was some kind of mumbling. Um, mm-hmm. I'm going to I'm going to play it one more time. I upped the okay. volume, so I'm going to play it one more time. I upped it. It's about a minute sixteen. Uh, it's a, a minute sixteen seconds long, but I'm going to play it one more time just uh, in case anybody joining us late uh, might want to hear it. Perfect.
And there you go. So, I mean, really, the, you know, I think it sounds great there as well, but, you know, audio never does it justice as in right. person. But uh, right. uh, we have heard similar things out there like that. Um, but I think it's a great piece of audio personally. Mm-hmm. So, has that piece of has that audio been analyzed by anybody like a that might know you know be able to eliminate other known animals? Um, I can't remember who I sent it to originally, but uh, they definitely said it wasn't an elk or a, a coyote. Um, and this was somebody that was really respected that did some work for the BFRO. But I'm sorry, he I. It's swinging my mind at the moment. Um, I did send it to Dave Ellis at one point, but I'm not sure if he's reviewed it or not. Have you guys heard if he has? Uh, I believe he has, and as, as well as Paul Graves, and they, they both they both liked it. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> found it compelling with the uh, putting in the uh, spectral analysis, you know, spectral spectrograph, so they can visually look oh, at nice. it. They found it they found it pretty pretty compelling, very interesting. With and I don't know. Uh, uh, you know exactly what they got out of it, but uh, they did find it compelling, as far as I know. Uh, so yeah. Good. I'm sorry, Cindy. Oh, I said that's great. I'm, I'm yeah, glad. No, yeah, I, I hadn't heard that. So I'm next. I was hoping to talk to Dave next time I saw him and and uh, hear his thoughts on that. So I'm, that makes me happy. Great, great. Yeah, and, and we're going to get more audio out of that area, I guarantee you. Right. For some reason, the audio in the area is, is pretty high um, as, mm-hmm. as quality audio goes, uh, at least questionable audio as to what it is. Um, and right. uh, we, we do know a lot of the wildlife in that area and, and pretty well able to discern what is what for the most part. So, but, uh, yeah. Um Sorry. Um, so, Cindy, uh, have you developed any thoughts um, or opinions as to, like, say, in, in the area that we go out to, the Tillamook area, I know you're part of, you know, the Illuminate Project as well. Uh, have you developed mm-hmm. any thoughts or ideas as to why they would be in an area like that or, or uh, you know, why the what would bring them into an area like that? Um resources I, it has it would have to be food and water i mean there's a lot of it around there there's a lot of deer um which they're said to have um that's supposed to be one of their main food courses i suppose um there was also you might know about this shane well actually gunner i think you do too there was uh supposedly a, a report that came out not far away from where we researched where this man was standing out there. I don't know if he was in his camp. I'm not sure exactly. But all of a sudden, a deer went running past him, like panicked. And um, he said that a Sasquatch had peeked its face out of the bushes and was, like, grimacing at him and then then left. Um, yeah, he was in his so, truck, I think, or was in his vehicle. Oh, he was in his vehicle? Yeah. yeah. So, um, which I think is interesting, too, because the grimacing on the face, I mean, a facial expression, which, you know, chimpanzees have that as well, and um, humans. So I thought that that was interesting little tidbit that he added with the grimacing face. Like, you spoiled it for me, you know. But, um, <laughs> they want my dinner. That was, yeah, exactly. So um, 
I mean, that was deer. There's a lot of deer there. So if they eat deer, they're chasing them. And that one night that we had um, with all that craziness that went on um, when our recorder failed, (laughs) um, it kind of, we all kind of had the feeling like there was a group of them hunting. And um, because there was this crazy, um, just orchestra of crazy sounds and calls all at once at the very end. And then they, there was like this gibbering and then it just stopped. Like, like it was a feeding frenzy or something. I, I'm not sure. Isn't that what you that you took out of that gunner? Yeah. Well, we we were wondering why an animal would, you know, do, you know, and theorizing why an animal would would uh, make these vocalizations. I don't think they're just running through the forest, yelling and for no no good reason. So and it, right and the, the purpose, thing has been yeah. that we yeah. What was the purpose of and just the nature of the the vocalizations that we heard and and uh we just figured that they had moved if i hey if i had something yelling and screaming at me and i'm i'm a deer i'm running away you try to run away from it so maybe they were running it mm-hmm. towards towards one to a choke point or but it was it was uh it was interesting because that that that's what the best that we came up with we'd had uh it we'd had some really extreme weather uh if you remember the two nights before that had been actually been thunder and lightning. So we were figuring right. maybe they had been, you know, animals were bedded down and, and they're probably out. Sure. It was time to, and we've heard uh, similar vocalizations. Those, those actually started in the East and moved through the South and uh, ended up just West of, of where we were camped. But we've heard similar vocalizations uh, going the other direction on occasion. So, Mm-hmm. And all we can do is kind of wonder, you know, why are they making these? Why would it? Right. Why, what would be their purpose to make it a bunch of noise when, they're, especially when they're trying to be stealthy and? Right. Well, and it's a pretty yeah. mild um, climate-wise area too that would watches would um, like. Um, it, it doesn't get much snow there, does it? Not real. Not not really. It's been uh, in the last couple of years, or uh, not much at all. Um, we we were able to go up there pretty consistently all winter long last year without. Right. You know, it was cold, but it wasn't. Um, we never we never camped in the snow last year. So right, right. So um, so to answer your question, Shane, that I I think the climate is is huge, um, along with the food source. So. You got to go where the food is. If there's uh, plants there that you know that what, whatever they're hunting is eating, um, you know that would be a pretty safe bet. <laughs> I'm thinking. Yeah. So. Absolutely. You think that with the caloric intake, you know what their needs are, at the right. size that that they are, they gotta gotta have a food source readily available where they don't expend as much, you know, more energy to get it than they do consume it. So Exactly. Yeah. Agreed. Now Cindy, how does so how does an, how how does anthropology play sorry, Gunner, how does anthropology play a role um, you know, in the science of Sasquatch possibly? What what kind of tools um what what kind of tools does anthropology bring to the table uh, when when looking into um, reports and doing research on Sasquatch. Sure, right. 
Well, um, anthropology is basically the study of human past and present. And there's actually a couple different uh, major areas in anthropology. There's four, really. Linguistics, which is the study of language and its origins. And then there's also archaeology. Basically, you're recovering and analyzing um, material remains. Um, let's see. And then there's physical anthropology and cultural anthropology. Um, physical, basically, this is um, where we can study, say, primates. Um, how are they structured? How can we use that information to apply it to Sasquatch since we don't have a body? Um, so physical anthropology, I think, is really important. Um, and it's kind of like it's the framework of evolution, really. Um, cultural anthropology is more of the study of and beliefs and behaviors see in our modern and historic cultures. One thing to think about, too, is that people are saying that Sasquatch has language. Well, basically, with culture, you're sharing ideas. Um, so if there's language, you're sharing this language with the offspring. So you have to think also that maybe Sasquatch has culture. Well, I don't think maybe. I think that they do. Um, so that's what anthropology in a nutshell pretty much is. You're just studying everything <laughs> that has to do with human evolution. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they they have culture, but they may not be cultured. Exactly. I found a lot of Sasquatch like, paintings in the. <laughs> <laughs> and the wine that they taste is, you know, or drink is yeah, not, yeah. you know, the most tasteful. Yeah. I'm not no. sure if they're cultured that way. Yeah. But, <laughs> um, yeah. So, I mean, if they're teaching their young, um, that would be culture. It's sharing ideas. So, I'm kind of thinking that they have culture and. Also, primate, all of our offspring, they have really long childhoods. And uh, a Sasquatch, I mean, I don't know how big they are when they're born, but it must take them a long time to, you know, grow. So I'm thinking that they're interacting with their, usually their mother. Most, you know, animals stay with their mother. The mother does most of the raising. Um, So, I mean, the the fathers probably do play a role of some sort, but... Those baby Sasquatches are going to be, you know, with their mothers for a long period of time. I think orangutans, which they believe Gigantopithecus, well, they don't believe. They know Gigantopithecus is on the same line as uh, orangs. But orangs, they have their children for like eight years. I mean, their childhood's eight years long, so they're with their mothers a long time. So I think we can use that as a model to maybe you know, guess what's going on with Sasquatch as well. Yeah, great point. There's a lot to be learned. I think having you um, as an anthropologist, especially involved with the Link Project and uh, the Tillamook Group, it's a, it's a great attribute to have you along um, to get your input and ideas. Cause, and, and you do, you are very skeptical. I think all of us here are very skeptical. It's important. You know, mm-hmm. we, we kind of preach this. Very, very. It's uh, it, it's something that's very important to bring that you know to pick apart and <clears throat> and and learn um, what is and what isn't. Uh, you, right. You, you never go into something saying it's a Sasquatch. Uh, in fact, you do the right. complete opposite. And it I think be, anthropology. Yeah, 
yeah, I think right, uh, right. You know, having an anthropology um, aspect of it really brings a new, a really great element to uh, research, personally. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. Um, yeah, one more thing I was going to add on the orangutans is that there's almost no fossil record on them, but we they're they're alive today. There's there's fossils somewhere, but we haven't really found any. So I think that that's interesting too when people are talking about well we haven't found any bones of Sasquatch. Well, you know we haven't found very many orangutan bones either. So. I think that that's kind of interesting as well. Absolutely. Actually, when people say that we haven't found these, we don't know if anybody's ever found a Sasquatch bone or not. I mean, I, there have been times in the right. woods that if you're not, you know, somebody would might trip across the bone and now what the likelihood right. of somebody finding a Sasquatch bone and then actually bringing it back are, are slim. So. It's true. That's true too. Yeah. Yep. 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 And, um, well, and then, you know, they're, they're thinking that Sasquatch could like, be Gigantopithecus. Um, and we do have fossils of those. We have, I think, some parts of the jawbone and, you know, some molars and, and teeth and such. But uh, that's not a whole lot to go off of. But um, that is that is fossil evidence right there. So if they are related, um, you know, there's the link. Have you ever went in out in your... your in- Bigfoot adventuring found any primitive tools and locations where you you suspect that there are Sasquatches in the area? Um, I haven't. Um, I mean, we do know that like chimpanzees use tools um, and orangutans too, um, and humans, of course. Um, but I haven't seen anything, you know, that would say, "Hey, that's a Sasquatch." You can't really tell. And there's actually right. lots of um, issues with uh, um, archaeology in general where they call it fort napping, where you're, basically you're making uh, arrowheads. You know, you're taking the um, rocks and you're forming this arrowhead. And you make a lot of debris when you're doing that. And uh, sometimes archaeologists will come to a site and they're like, oh, wow, this could be thousands of years old. And it could have been just like a 12-year-old kid that was, you know, goofing off like <laughs> of the week before, you know. So it's really hard to link sometimes um, the debris from flint napping um, to <laughs> to a date or even who did it. So, yeah, I, I, I don't know about that. I mean, I'm sure that they probably do. We know that they throw rocks, which, um, we, well, do we you know, know that? Humans do that, too. Well, I guess we don't know that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just I saying, I wonder if anybody, rock, anybody actually, I, I know of no witnesses that have actually seen them throwing a rock. That's so true. Rocks do come, Good rock, call, no, I do, know that, I do know that rocks do fly through the air sometimes in association they, with uh, suspected Sasquatch activity. Right. Uh, but, we haven't actually yeah. seen it leave their hands. Um, right. And yeah. They so seem to be very right. accurate if they are throwing rocks. Right, it's right. Funny because there's a lot of you know there's a lot of behaviors that glyphs to sticks being crossed and you know stick structures that we don't know even if that we don't you know, know. we even if right. they're, made, they're not something that occur naturally that it's you know that it's a Sasquatch that's doing it because I've not heard right, of any sort yeah we don't have a database of reports of people seeing them do these behaviors so. 
Right. But, well, but we if they, can. If they are... If they are throwing rocks, it's an act of aggression, um, and it could be. It's also with humans. It's a way of um, chasing others off without like having physical contact. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So, and there's also um, during my college time, um, I was researching. I think it was chimps. I'm not sure exactly, but um, how accurate the chimps were at throwing stuff indicated that they had a well-developed left side of their brain. Well, the left side of the brain is where speech is processed. Um, So I thought that that was kind of interesting, you know, just to make a mental note because people are saying, well, they have speech, and we don't know for sure. But if they do, I mean, look at, um, let's see, Derek Randall's um, experience. Like, he had a rock thrown at him, and it was, I think he said it was getting closer and closer, like, it didn't want to hit them, but it wanted to scare them off. But um, it sounds to me, if this is true, that they are very accurate in throwing rocks and um, that could uh, indicate a well-developed left side of the brain where speech goes. So I always thought hmm. that was kind of interesting to think about. Very much so. I, 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 I as well have had um, you know, a couple of my buddies, we were all camp and we had a rock thrown at 2.30 in the morning, and you could hear it come through the trees and landing just next to my buddy's tent, um, softball right. size. Um, so, and it was, I don't know if it was accurate or it missed. I don't know. It's only one rock. Right. If, right. If, 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 if it was like if it was like Derek Randall's encounter where there was multiple thrown, <laughs> you know, then right. I could maybe, maybe make a better guess or have a better idea. But there was one rock thrown, and I got to think, you know, that's a softball size rock coming through the trees, but still managed wow. to miss my buddy's tent by about two feet. You know, pretty pretty interesting. Right, right. Well, the thing is, is that that you can. What we can do is eliminate a lot of. We know that deer and and elk and bear and owls and do not throw rocks. So there's a lot we can right. do to eliminate. But yeah. So and I and I had a, an experience with uh, one of our our research partners up for justice this last summer where we were sitting in camp and and we're, she was telling a story and all of a sudden there's a large crash right behind her and this was like right at midnight and we'd heard like branches and stuff you know branch breaks and stuff before that and uh, the, the interesting thing the next day we found a rock like behind where she was sitting within three feet of where she was sitting and that we didn't see the rock we heard all we heard was the crash so our best guess mm-hmm. was that that's what had caused it. But uh, right. really, really interesting is uh, when I listened to the recording of the event is that immediately before the crash, she had made an agitated chimp sound because she was telling a story about having worked with primates. So it was like, that was pretty cool. So I was like, hmm, pissed somebody off. So Yeah, the timing, yeah. Right. Crazy. Um, we had another question. Uh, Tyler Bounds has a question for you, Cindy, and he's asking if <laughs> why, if you're from Oregon, you keep pretending to be from Washington. <laughs> That's his fault. He he always would have me pretend on. Well, we were on Finding Bigfoot twice, but um, that I was in the Washington crew, but I'm actually from Oregon. So thanks for calling <laughs> me out, Tyler. Appreciate it. <laughs> That's his fault. He he totally set me up on that one. 
That's right, because you were on Team Washington, as was I right. on the and and the on the Fighting Bigfoot episode. Yeah. So, and right. and Jared was on Team Washington too. I know we're all Oregonians. <laughs> yeah. No. What does that tell you? That's the, the power of television. <laughs> so. Yep. Exactly. But, and Colm is asking oh. about the four types of Sasquatch. You know, I don't know anything know. about four types. I don't know anything about four types. I mean, do you guys? I mean, I've never I, heard I of was that not before. Aware that, well, I know that there's two extremely different types, apparently, up in Sylvantic, uh, Canada, because there's two that look completely nothing like each other. One looks right. a lot like a Muppet, and one... <laughs> Just saying, I don't know. That's the two that I know of. Well... Yeah, you know, I don't know. I mean, with with humans, I mean, we all we have different variations. I mean, um, like like maybe humans that were have evolved like in cold um, societies, like say Eskimos, they have larger bodies, and that's a way to keep heat in. But if if the humans like are from say Africa, where it's hot, their bodies tend to be tall and lean and thin. So, I mean, there's different variations in humans, so why not Sasquatch? Um, but it doesn't mean they're a different species. It just means that, you know, there's different variations. Yeah, no, that we don't know that there's one. I mean, we can't prove that there's one. I right. don't know how we can then That's discern true. that there's four or or any number of types besides, besides one. So. Right. Right, I agree. We need we need a body. <laughs> Inevitably, that's the bottom line. Is yeah, we we do need a body specimen, something that science mm-hmm. can you know, uh, you know it, it's it's uh, important. I do believe to collect data uh, on on this phenomenon and 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 do right. our due diligence and and go about it the best way we can. But um, which will play a part, I think, down the road once that's established, uh, once a specimen's provided or whatever have you. But um, mm-hmm. you know, that's very important. Cindy, I wanted to ask you about, um, you know, you've been involved with this subject for a while now and, and BFRO and whatnot. What are some key aspects to interviewing eyewitnesses? Uh, what are some of the – What? Are, how do you go about interviewing an eyewitness, uh, somebody that's claimed an encounter, um, and how do you, you – know, right. how do you go about doing that? Obviously, we meet we meet in person usually. Um, so I ask them stuff like, "How long do they observe um, the Sasquatch?" Sometimes it's just they only hear something, which we know that that can be a lot of different things and not necessarily a Sasquatch. Um, obviously, the date, time of day, um, the weather, and uh, if they saw one, you know, a description of it, like the approximate height, maybe. Um, was it thin? Was it large? You know, was it stocky? Try to maybe guess the weight, which might be hard, you know, to guess the weight. But I ask them that. Things like shoulder width, um, hair color, um, was their hair neat or matted? Just kind of get a description of what that, you know, their hair looked like. Um, let's see. And, and also... It's kind of interesting also to ask them if they thought that the hair looked more human or animal-like. Sometimes I ask that. 
And then if they had any hair samples, which usually is no, but I like to throw that out there. Um, and if they saw the face in any detail, maybe the eye color, uh, lips, um, the brow ridge, um, ears also. Um, I like to ask them about that. And also, was the neck visible? Did they see the neck? And another, I think, important thing is to, what was the arm length like? I mean, was it long, short? I mean, you know, just simple things like that. Also, hands. I'm, like, fascinated with what the hand would look like. In fact, I think I asked you that, Shane, um, yes. when you were describing your encounter. So, I, you know, I want to know what's going on with the sum. <laughs> Um, there seems to be a lot of talk about that. So I asked them about that. Um, you know, if feet, did they see the feet? What size were they? Was there an odor? Also the nose. Did they see the nose? I want to know what the nose looks like. Um, and then skin color, was there skin on the face? Did they see teeth? So, you know, the shape of the head. So just any details I can pull out of them. Also, was it walking? Was it hiding? Was it running? I mean, what was it doing? So I want to know stuff like that as well. And, uh, of course, we document the area that they go into. Um, was there water resources there? What about food? Um, just, you know, anything I can <coughs> get out of them. If there was tracks, did they hear vocalization? Um, basically anything I can think of. <laughs> yeah. With, with, so with did you ask them about, about gender? Did you see Bigfoot's junk? Yeah. Yeah, I I do ask them that too. Just get good. Well, and most there's not a lot of reports of you know of uh, right of well-defined gender uh, termination. Right. Uh, if I ever see one, I'm checking out the sum and the gender, so I'll get yeah. back to you on that. <laughs> okay. Well, we talked about Any... the possibility of you being carried away and. Right, right. But I'll, I'll be pulling hair out and dropping hair samples as they run off with me, so be looking for those. I, and we appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah, 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 with the follicles and everything. Yeah. Any any similarities in these reports? Have you, with the amount of reports that you've looked at, uh, read and, and interview, interviewed people and whatnot, any uh, similarities, any sort of patterns you've developed, any uh, ideas uh, coming from these interviews and, and reading reports and stuff? Um, just darker hair, that seems to stand out the most to me, um, that they talk about. And size, you know, they're, they're large. Um, so yeah, yeah. that's, yeah, that seems to be, um, consistent in the report. Um, also another point I was going to bring up too is, uh, all of the supposed hair samples that we have collected, I was talking to um, Cliff Berkman about it, and he says that they always have a tint of orange in them, um, which I think is interesting. Even if it's dark, there's like a tint of orange in it, um, which would lend well to, you know, being on the same the Pongo line with um, orangutans too. So, which is right where Gigantopithecus is. <laughs> so, um, you know, I think that's interesting too. And so you're saying that all Sasquatches are gingers. They are. It, yeah, and on one level, <laughs> or some <laughs> level, it kind of sounds like it. <laughs> so I thought that was interesting. Um, and then we um, we took a report from somebody down um, in the coastal range some time back, and 
he said that it looked like it had orange in its its hair as well, and the light was shining behind it. Um, and he thought he thought it was a stump when he first saw it, then it stood up and walked off. But um, you know how stumps can have that kind of that orange tint to it, and so um, I thought that was pretty interesting too. Yeah, very much so. I also wanted to touch upon Cindy. I took you up to an area up in um, near Mount Hood in the Clackamas area, um, where we. I took you into an area where I I had my encounter, where there's a lot of reports I've taken in from other right. individuals. Um, I want to talk about like that experience. I think it was on the second night. I think it was the mm-hmm. second night we were there. Uh, a little bit of just kind of what you experienced out there. No visuals, by no means, but some. It was right. tidbits that were very interesting. I thought kind of something I had. Well, it was sort of a visual for me, but it was in my tent. Right. It was more of a shadow. But what right. the events that transpired that night? Well, I my tent was you know just a few feet from yours, and uh, I heard something that sounded like it was walking, not close to my tent, but behind the tent walking through the bush, and then I swear I heard something pee back there. <laughs> like There was definite water coming out of something back there, pouring water, and um, that's interesting. And uh, I thought everybody else was asleep. And then I heard it walk behind your tent, and apparently you were trying to get my attention, but I never heard you. Mm-hmm. And uh, the next morning... Um, I was in, in bed, obviously. I heard this huge splash, like it sounded like a huge rock got thrown into the lake right where we were, right next to the lake we were at. And I I literally was out of that tent within a couple of seconds, and I ran over to the lake, and I didn't see anything. There was nothing there. But um, why don't you tell them what you experienced that night? Well, um, I never heard the water sound. Um, mm-hmm. I never heard that, that sound. And there's no water behind your tent. Uh, there's nothing, right. you know, there's nothing there. That would uh, it wasn't raining, you know, and there's no streams back there or any mm-hmm. water source. So I found that intriguing, but um, I did not hear that at the time. What I heard was something right. sounded mm-hmm. sounded bipedal to me. Um, mm-hmm. Not 100 percent, but it sounded bipedal, and it walked up. I heard it walk up behind your tent. Uh, how far I'm not sure. Um, and then it came. What I heard was it walk around behind my tent, and it was. Uh, pretty bright out i'm sitting in my tent i see the shadow mm-hmm. and there is a tree that there, i was camped behind a tree so i i took it for the tree because it was swaying back and forth it looked like um one branch was kind of sticking out from the side of it fairly large branch but what i i found compelling was um it dropped like uh what i took for now to be possibly an arm uh right possibly because it dropped and then it it veered off um, after I unzipped my tent. I was getting out too, <clears throat> um, and nothing. You know, there was nothing there. Uh, so I don't know what that was. The I really find it really weird that some you heard that water sound, uh, especially mm-hmm. up behind you. That that to me was pretty right. weird. Um, you know what it was? Yeah, I don't know. But that area is full right. of activity up there, and that's why I wanted to bring you up there because it's a really great area. Um, and it also has a lot of reports of, like, that ginger-colored uh, Sasquatch. A lot of the road crossings in this area are usually of tall individuals, sometimes um, thin in nature, uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, maybe young males. I don't know. But anyways, uh, right. they, it's got that, that, that 
that color to their their hair, that ginger uh, mm-hmm. color, or you know. So. Well, yeah. well, we have a couple of callers. And, um, yeah. We have. I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and and see if answer the phone here real quick and see if six six two's. Hey, Eric code six six two. Do you have a question for Cindy? Good evening. Yes, I do. Hello, Cindy. Hello, Shane. Hello, Gunner. Hi, how are you? Hey. Um, I to ask Cindy, um, as far as your anthropological background, uh, do you think these three, these creatures have a culture, or do you think that they're, you know, big dumb apes or something like that? Just don't. Right. Um, I don't think they're big dumb apes for sure. They obviously are, are the top of their line. They can travel through the woods with obviously not being able to for us to catch them. <laughs> so um, I don't, I would not say that. I, I think they're intelligent. I, I don't think they're as intelligent as humans, obviously. But um, I do think they have some kind of a culture. I think that they do teach their their young um, skills, hunting skills, whatever it is, hiding from humans. <laughs> I think there is definitely some teaching going on which would indicate culture. Right, yeah. Um, do you think that that extends to perhaps them burying their dead, and that's why we don't find bodies? You know what? I mean, that's definitely a possibility. Um, I haven't put a whole lot of thought into that, but I do know that chimpanzees mourn their dead, and, uh, you know, they they have to mourn their dead as well. What they do with the bodies, I don't know. Right, yeah. Um, also, as far as their footprints are concerned, um, I, I know you're not a footprint anatomist, but uh, uh, as far as their footprints, um, h- how do you think that they, <laughs> Bruce, how do you think that they compare, let's say, compared to uh, humans? I mean, because they're very human-like. Right. Uh, and, they, they, and they look very human-like in, in a lot of cases. Right. Um, well, I I believe they're apes, so, you know, we all have, apes um, have similar, you know, foot structure, so they're obviously bigger than ours, <laughs> but uh, I don't know a whole lot about footprints, um, but I think that, you know, their body structure and their foot structure is probably very similar to ours. Yeah. Well, from what well, I've that's... seen in, uh, on the, the foot structure there, it varies to and matches up with what you would expect uh, an animal of that size to the variance between what it, like their mm-hmm. their uh, Achilles tendon is way is further back than our or further full is more forward than ours. They have heel that extends beyond it, so that right um, yeah. So and it's interesting is that you know who wouldn't think of that when you're out and if you were faking footprints, you just go make a human footprint that you can replicate. Right, right. So, yeah. Thanks, Henry. Yeah. I'm going to ask no, no, no. Got one more caller. Sure. See you all later. Thank you. All right. Area code 859, do you have a question for Cindy? Yeah, this is Bill Owens of Kentucky Bigfoot Homes. Um, hello. Yeah, uh, hello there. Uh, let's see, uh, I've got, do you think that uh, they're, they're connected with uh, ETs? Um, you know what? With my anthropology uh, background, I, 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 
I have no idea. I mean, I'm not saying no, but um, I like to think of them as just being an undiscovered primate and nothing to do with ETs. Okay. Okay, then. I don't know if that's what you're looking for, but <laughs> I just don't have <laughs> any experience or knowledge in that area. Um, I have an, uh, another question. Uh, well, I've heard a lot of some stories lately that there are uh, werewolves um, that werewolves, you know, uh, travel with them. Have you heard anything about that? I, I've never heard anything like that, but I have heard that coyotes um, possibly travel with them, and some people um, have a hypothesis that they travel with them so that they can eat the remains of, say, a deer that they killed. But I don't have anything to support that, and I don't think anybody else does. Okay. Okay, I just thought uh, run that by you. All right, thank you, guys. Thank you. Uh-huh, thank you. Yeah, yeah coyotes are, not... are an interesting thing because um, I have seen coyote uh, <clears throat> horse, uh, you know, droppings and, and other animals dropping. Sometimes I theorize that possibly not just alongside with the, the kills that Sasquatch are reportedly uh, partake in, but that maybe they're coming along behind eating Possible scat. I don't know. Just a an idea I've, I've thrown around out there, having seen coyotes do that with other animals. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So. You never know. Um, yeah, you, you don't know. This and this has well, nothing have. to do with Sasquatch, but Native Americans, like in Alaska, when they fed their dogs, they would um, throw in well um, blubber with human feces, and the dogs would eat it. So I, there, we all know that dogs are not above eating feces. So. It can happen. Well, that is is an absolutely disgusting... uh, uh, I know. How did we go there? (laughs) (laughs) Take it back. (laughs) Rewind. But uh, that's... Yeah, we've heard heard, uh, coyote vocalizations and then heard vocalizations mixed in with it that don't seem that's, that seem different. It's, right. Uh, it, what, it's another theory. So until we know, until right. we actually have a specimen we're, or, or we're doing a long-term out-in-the-field study where somebody's able right. to record their behaviors. Right. Everything we, we're doing is, yeah, all we can theorize is all we can do. So. Right. Exactly. Cindy, I wanted to point out real quick, uh, we're kind of short on time, but I wanted to say that I, I appreciate you uh, for a lot of reasons, but uh, one of them is that you're, you don't really partake in a lot of the drama that's put out there. You kind of stay out of it, and you just do your thing, and that I, I commend you, you for that. I commend you Thank for you. that. So, yeah, and I think that's, that's about all the time we have for Monster X this week. And I, I did want to say thanks to Cindy Cadell for coming on the show, and we'll have to have you back because I know you got a lot more information to share with people. And uh, thanks, Shane, for for uh, uh, being here today, and uh, a great weekend up squatching. We'll catch you all next week on Monster X Radio. Sounds good. Thank you.